Let's begin with some prayer. Heavenly Father, not to us, but to You and You alone be the glory. And God, we are to seek refuge and we, we seek refuge in You and in You alone. So Heavenly Father, in this time we ask that You would speak to us richly through Your Word, that we would place ourselves under Your Word, and that we would be transformed and conformed into Your image, God, from one degree of glory to the next. We thank You that we are able to gather together as a body. God, bring this longing for us to be home with You and we can all gather together, all the saints of all time, singing rich praises to You, God. But until then, bless this time as we seek Your face. Amen. Our text this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be continue going through our 1 Peter series we've been going through. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 8 all the way down to chapter uh, verse 12. Verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But, on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So a brief outline of where we're going to be going here. What Peter's driving at us and and to all of us is that we are to bless others. Whatever circumstance we're in, we are to bless others. He's saying when either you're, if people are being evil to you or they're reviling to you, you are to bless. So in any circumstance, you are to bless others. So in verse 8, well, you see the, the internal heart that you need to make this a possibility. That's in verse 8. Verse 9, you see the, the external action. So you see the, the play here in Peter between the internal and the external. And then finally, verses 10 through 12, we see how to have the good life. Finally, a prosperity gospel, a message here from redemption. How to have the good life. So let's have a little recap of where Peter's been bringing us here. He's showing, he's writing to a church in the midst of all of their persecution. It's in the first century, and persecution is not just being told to stay home or to drive your air-conditioned cars and park in a parking lot. No, persecution is real. And he's writing to them, and he's equipping them to live lives in this present age as we will live in the age to come. And so he's telling them that you have been called by God. You have been called by God. And, and in this we greatly rejoice. Even though we, we've been greatly distressed through various trials, we still rejoice. Therefore, in this present day, we prepare our minds for action and we fix our hope on the grace that is to come when Christ reveals Himself to us in His full glory. 
So even today, Peter notes that we are sojourners and strangers. That's how we live in this land. Yes, we're here, but our home is somewhere else. So then, how do we live? Well, we submit. We submit to our government. We fear God and we honor the king. We we submit to our employers. Wives submit to their husbands. And husbands adorn their wives and cherish them and present them back to God without spot or blemish as we submit to God. Now Peter begins to turn the corner here and he's not just looking at little segments of people, but the whole church. He says, finally, all of you, As he goes on in verse 8 here, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Peter is bringing them to see how, just on the front of this building here, all the the bricks are fitted together perfectly. And that is what Christ is calling us to do as a church. And it's a beautiful thing when these block, these bricks fit together, and that is you. And God is building His temple for His glory, where He will live and dwell. And this is completely foreign in our day, in, in our, our sense of, of hyper-individualism. He's calling us. We, we look at this, the collective whole, and Peter's saying, all of your heart, all of your affections, all that you have, Place it in Christ. And then you look in our culture and they say, no, you are enough. We're, we're trained to be autonomous. And it's with these lens that we look at these, at these commands here to have unity of mind, a sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And we look at them and go, unity of mind? Yeah, that's easy. Just, just think like I think. And then we'll, we'll be just fine. Or, or sympathy. Really? I don't need your sympathy, quite frankly. But, but thanks anyways. Or, or a humble mind. Yes! Yes, he has a humble mind. Of course he does. Reminds me of, uh, Winston Churchill, one of his, uh, political opponents, uh, Mr. Attlee. He was asked about him, and they said, well, Mr. Atley, at least he's humble, isn't he? And uh, Winston Churchill responded, yes, he's a humble man who has much to be humble about. And this is our perception. It's, it's, you laugh because it's true. It resonates with you. And this is, this is our lens through which we view it, and we view it as weakness rather than something to be adorned. So Christ is calling us to live in a different way here through Peter. He's calling us to to live in unity, to have unity of mind. And and this doesn't happen when brothers and sisters just try to step towards each other. No, that's not how it happens. The only way you can have unity is not by coming towards each other, but fixing your eyes upon Christ. And both of you, as collectively as a church, as we walk together towards Christ, that is the only way we will obtain this uh, this unity. So don't beat yourselves up if, you, if you're reading through this. Unity of mind. I don't have that sympathy. Not yet. Brotherly love. I, I hugged Connor today, so I, maybe I'm on my way. A tender heart and a humble mind. 
don't beat yourself up if, if you don't have you if you haven't attained this. But fix your eyes upon Christ. Imagine how beautiful this would be in this world if you have a collective church that is unified with their eyes fixed upon Christ, forgiving one another and having unity and deference towards one another, so that we can encourage one another towards Christ. How beautiful is that in this world? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. So we see here in verse 8 how, how Peter is inwardly, our hearts are being transformed, but then that, tra- that spells out into the, the outward actions here as well. So let's read verse 9 here. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary... Bless, for to this you were called, that you might inherit or obtain a blessing. And you don't have to look too far to see how quickly evil can repay evil. Or reviling for reviling. In our home, it's, it's, it's mostly boys, it's a couple girls, mostly boys. And it starts pretty innocently. A little nudge, and it's a little push, and before you know it, this little playful nudge turns into a huge wrestling match in the backyard or in the wherever they might be in the park, in the in the living room. And there's a whole lot of repaying evil for evil as this spirals down before we're able to get there. And but not only in your homes, but in the world around you. Look, look at the political world around us. That's the mantra. You just repay evil for evil. And in this vile, this venom that is spewed, not by the politicians, but by us. As we, we now have these platforms in which we can tell everybody what we want to think. And it's not as though humanity is spiraling downward. We just, we just now have platforms to tell everybody of the wickedness that's always been within us. And as we're tempted to repay this evil for evil or this reviling for reviling, it's, it's natural within us. Peter's reminding him of, of two spheres in which this happens. It, it happens within the world, right? He's writing to the church that's being persecuted in the first century. And it's their temptation, just like it would be for us, to repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Imagine if you went home you lost your job tomorrow because you were gathered together here. You would be tempted to repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. And that's what's happening with this church that Peter is writing to. But it's not only the church, or it's not only the world, but it's the church as well. Throughout redemption, it's, it's not part of the membership process, but I think it's implied. We will do two things here for you as a member. We will love you, and we will sin against you. It's inevitable. As we live lives together, as we are not yet fully conformed into His image, we will be, we will sin against each other, either through omission or through active sin. Even, even in our own homes. It's not just the world, it's not just the church, but even in our own homes. We sin against each other. Imagine the the joy that would be within a home 
if there is not reviling for reviling or repaying evil for evil, but rather that there is blessing. Imagine how joyful the wife would be if she slips up in her words and her husband just blesses her. I don't think we've ever done any counseling for a married couple in which the complaint is that my husband blesses me too much. My wife blesses me too much. Give this to your own homes as well. So, if you want to have good standing in the world, if you want to be a part of a, of a healthy church, if you want to have a good and thriving home, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, less. And you see here how he, he caused them to bless. And, and this, this starts with God. The first blessing we see with, is from God. Said, and God blessed them. Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and, and, the, and the animals on the land. And then he blessed the seventh day, and he called it holy. And then he blesses Noah, who has found favor in the eyes of God. But then you get to Abraham, and something else happens. It's not just that they are blessed. You see, through Abraham, God is blessing other people. And that is what He is calling us to do as well. So He's calling them to have, in every circumstance, my friends, in every circumstance, bring your blessings from God upon other people. And start practicing this now. As we get, as the Christian ethos gets further and further away from the worldly norm, you, you, if you can't do it now, you're going to have a really hard time five years from now. It's going to be nearly impossible for you ten years from now. Start practicing now. So Peter is calling you to have your whole life, I hope you see this, Peter is calling you to have your whole life Focused and centered around Christ. Why are we to not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling? We'll go up a couple verses. Who is the one who is doing this? And it is it's Christ. He said, He committed not, no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. So, all of our lives is centered around Christ. And Peter makes us abundantly known throughout the, throughout the epistle here. He said, through Christ we have been born again and we have a living hope. And it's through Him that we are believers in God. It's through Christ, you see, chapter 1, verse 21. We, through Christ, we are believers in God who raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Again, through Christ. And it is only through Christ that we are able to make spiritual sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. So your whole life, my friends, is what Peter is teaching us. Your whole life is focused around Christ, even in the aspect of your speech. Christ is reviled and He did not revile in return. Okay, well then that's what we do as well. Just look at him. Pilate said to him, Matthew 27, 
Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But, but he gave them no answer. Not even a single charge. So that the governor, he was greatly amazed. Then the soldiers, they spit on him and they took a reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they spit him. They spit on him. And they stripped him of his robe and they put on his own clothes and then they lead him away to be crucified. And those who were passing by, who once were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, they were now passing by and deriding him, saying, well, you, you say that you're the Son of God. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself? And how does Christ respond to it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the life that we are called to live, my friends. And you better start doing it now. You see that to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. You were called. You were called into this life of Christ, which is a life of being reviled and then blessing with the promise that you yourself would be blessed. Do, do you see that? So what Peter is saying is that when they revile you, you can bless them and in turn you will be blessed. You still might lose your job. You still might lose your home. In the first century, you'd still be persecuted. Lose your life, but you will be blessed. So it brings us to the final verses here. How does that happen? Let's look at it. Verse 10 here. Whoever desires to live a good life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who speak evil. Wait for it. Wait for it. So what Peter is doing here is quoting this psalm. He's given a proof text. Yes, it's a helicopter landing, but we have the Word of God up here. So So what Peter's doing, he's giving this psalm, which is a proof text. How can you possibly say that when you bless others, you will be blessed by God? So Peter gives a proof text, this psalm here. And it's it's David who's writing this psalm, and the setting is that he's he's on the run from Saul. It's these chapters in 1 Samuel. When he's on the run from Saul, he's gone to the, the priest. And Nob, he's gotten some consecrated bread. He's gotten the sword of Goliath. But he knows he has to leave. And so then he goes to the Philistines and to the city of Gath, where King Achish is one of the five main kings of the Philistines. And he goes to them. He's seeking some some refuge because he has to flee Israel. He goes there, but the people of Gath, they turn on him. So he's there with his merry men of four to 500 soldiers. And he realizes the tight spot he's in. So he pretends to be insane. He starts scribbling on the city gates, has spit coming out of his mouth, and the king looks at him and goes, this man, i got to worry about him? And David is able to escape. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, he is saying, 
whoever desires to lead a good life and to, to, to love life or to see good days. He's on the run and he has no refuge. Yet he is writing of the goodness of God. And he has your attention here. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want this? Okay, so you got our attention here. I desire to love life and to seek good days. What should I do? What am I to do? Peter, David, what am I to do? Okay, well, finish out verse 10. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Yeah, what a letdown. Really? The good life? You're going to tell me it comes through keeping my my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking deceit? Well, apparently David and Peter, carried along by the Spirit, hadn't taken the time to read the latest self-help books. Rather than, than, than blessing others and being carried away into glory while he's being crucified upside down, as was Peter, he should have um, maybe had better habits of being highly effective. Being crucified upside down is not highly effective, Peter. Or, or he, he could have thought and made himself rich. Or maybe he just didn't have a good enough method of self-actualization. Picturing himself not being crucified upside down. So if you want your best life now, what does the word say? Turn away from evil. Keep your tongue pure. Find peace. Seek peace. And pursue it. This is how we are to be blessed. So when we revile others, where others revile us and we bless them, we are blessed by God. And how are we blessed by God? You see it here in our text. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their prayer. So if you want the good life, well, of course you do. You're living a life that is trying to get back to Eden. If you delight in God, Keep your tongue from evil. So this week, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Adam and I hear about, the elders hear about all of the ways that you guys are caring for each other. Actively seek out a way to bless someone. And even better, do it to someone who is reviling you. Maybe you're sharing your faith at work. You're being laughed at. As myself and someone else were this past week. For praying in public. Pursue them. Bless them. Bless them. For you will show that your delight is in God and His delight is in you when you are doing this. And God's delight will be upon you because you will have the life of His Son as you are going through this world and blessing others. So redemption. Seek peace. And seek to bless those who are reviling you. And live a life that is so gospel-driven that you actually have people in your life who are reviling you. 
Let us not just cast through this world in, in neutral and not sharing our faith or not praying for people. Let us be active in engaging the world and they will hate us. But we will love them and we will bless them. And in doing so, we will be blessed by God as He looks upon us and sees the life of His beloved Son. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we um, have this call before us, God, to live lives that are blessing other people in, in any circumstance, God. We can't do it in and our own flesh, God. We want to repay evil for evil. Let us crucify that flesh by Your Spirit, God. And let Your glory and Your Gospel shine brightly in this city as by person by person we are blessing others for Your glory. Amen.